0: This is part three of Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelechim, the sent ones, in chapter 28. This is a last recording chapter on the book of Acts. And let us begin at verse one, and we'll be going in deeper on verse starting at verse number 13. If you happen to have a Bible with maps, I encourage you to look at your maps Look towards the back. Some uh, maps show the first journey, the second journey, and the third journey. But this is Rav Shaul's fourth journey. As he's going from the land of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea, there's some non-planned stops along the way. But eventually he winds up and his destination in Rome. So let us be, begin in Acts chapter 28, verse 1. After our escape, we learned that the island was called Malta. Now, if you'd go and look and find where the country of Italy is, you'll see just towards the toe and just be a little bit south and a little bit west of the island of Sicily is the the island of Malta. Continuing in verse number two. Its people showed extraordinary kindness. It was cold and it started to rain. So they lit a bonfire and welcomed all of us. Sha'ul had gathered a bundle of sticks and was adding them to the fire when a poisonous snake driven out by the heat fastens itself on his hand the islanders saw the creature hanging from Shaul's hand and said to one another, This man must be a murderer. Even though he escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no harm. They waited, expecting him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. But after waiting for a long time and seeing nothing, that nothing was amiss was happening to him, they reversed their opinion, and they said, He's a god, small g. Nearby were lands belonging to the governor of the island, whose name was Pubilus. He received us in a friendly manner and put us up for three days. Now it was so happened that Pubilus' father was lying in bed, sick with fever, attacks, and dysentery. Shaul went to him and prayed and placed his hands upon him and healed him. After this happened, the rest of those on the island who had ailments came and were healed. They heap honors upon us. And when the time came for us to sail, they provided the supplies we needed. After three months, we sailed on a ship of Alexandria called Twin Gods, which passed the winter at the island. We landed in Syracuse. As you found Malta, if you go a little bit north and slightly west, you'll notice this island of Sicily, which has a main city which is called Syracuse. We landed at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. From there, we arrive at Regium. And as you go, you leave the island, you'll notice that this is at the very toe. Many people say that they believe that Italy kind of looks like a boot. So if you kind of picture, you use a little bit of your imagination there. I know it's a really messy-looking boot, but we can see the, the city of Regium. And so then we arrived at Regium, by tacking, but after one day a south wind sprung up and so we made it to Petuli the second day. And so this is where we will now go a little bit deeper in the sections here. And so with this, we see that this was a trip that the Lord ordained for Rob Shaul to take, and as they got there, Petuli had a strong colony of Jews, so that it was not surprising that some of them were already messianic. And so, we'll go back to verse thirteen. And from there, we arrived at Regium by tacking. But after one day, a south wind sprang up, and so we made it to Petulli the second day. There we found brothers, Messianic Jews, who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we went on to Rome. Verse 15, the brothers, Messianic Jews, there had heard about us, and they came as far as the Appian market, and three taverns to meet us. And when, Sh- when Shaul saw them, he thanked God, and he took great courage. Now, if you look at your maps here, if you, if you go out back, which is there called the Trienian Sea, they journeyed in that ship, and they went to the area of Petuli. And you can also see there, uh, just a little bit north and west of there, is three taverns. Some translations call it the three inns. And so with this, they met a coalition of Messianic Jews who were living on that town of Petuli. And going forward here, on verse number 16, when we arrived at Rome, the officer allowed Shaul to stay by himself though guarded by a soldier. And now if we take a look at our maps there, we see that not too far from the three taverns, we notice the city of Rome. And so we continue on this journey with Rav Shaul. And so the progress on Shaul's case had ceased for two years when Felix had waited. Remember, we dealt with this in Acts chapter 25, verses 9 through 11. And that's not too far for us to turn back and read these verses. Because then it puts us in the proper frame of mind what Rav Shaul is dealing with. And so this is Acts chapter 25 and beginning at verse number 9. But Festus, wanting to do the Judeans a favor, asked Shaul, Would you be willing to go up to Jerusalem and be tried before me on these charges? Sharul replied, "I've done no wrong to the Judeans, as you very well know. If I'm a wrongdoer, if I've done something which I deserve to die, then I have I am ready to die. But if there's nothing to these charges which they are bringing against me, no one can give me to them just for to grant a favor. I appeal to the emperor. Then Festus, after talking with his advisors, answered, You have appealed to the emperor, and you will go to the emperor. So that's part of our review here. And so as we go forward here, he dealt with this individual. And so Festus was now showing himself uninterested in justice. How sad that is to stand before a judge who cares nothing about you. Continuing here, Shaul decides to have his appeal be tried by the highest authority. And this right was available to Roman citizens since the year 509 before the common era. This was part of their judicial system. And Rav Shaul, as, a, as being born of Tarsus, which was a Roman province in present-day Turkey, but it was called Asia at that time, he had this right as a Roman citizen to appeal to be judged by Caesar. And so this took it out of those uh, Judean religious leaders' hands in that he was a citizen. So going forward here, Yeshua had also promised to Shaul that one day he would go to Rome. And so we see this as... I spoke and I preached to this earlier. Now let us turn for our review back to Acts chapter 23:11. And it says this: "The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, "Take courage, for just as you have been a, born a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, so now you will bear witness for me in Rome." And with that promise, just like any promise that the Lord gives us, when we face calamity in our life, things that come up, we know that the Lord's word is true. And if he puts a task before us, he will not only give us provision, but he'll provide for us the livelihood so that we can actually accomplish all that he desires for us to do. And so... This was also a desire of Rav Shaul in that he desired to be able to go to Rome himself. And how do we know about this? Another book that is very, very close. It's the book of Romans. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 1. From Shaul as slave of Messiah Yeshua. An emissary because I was called and set apart for the good news of God. God promised the good news in advance through his prophets in the Tanakh. It concerns his son. He is descended from David physically. He was powerfully demonstrated to be the son of God. Spiritually and set apart by having been resurrected from from the dead. He is Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord. Through him we received grace, and we were given the work of being an emissary on his behalf, promoting trust grounded on obedience among all the Gentiles, including you, who have been called by Yeshua the Messiah, to all those in Rome whom God loves, who have been called, who have been set apart for him, Grace to you and shalom from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. First, I thank my God through Yeshua the Messiah for all of you, because the report of your trust is spreading throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit by the spreading of the good news about his son, is my witness that I regularly remember you. In my prayers, And I always pray that somehow, now or in the future, I might, by God's will, succeed in coming to visit you. For I long to see you, so that I might share with you some spiritual gift that can make you stronger. And so we see by Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul's own words, it was a desire within him, to visit both the Messianic Jews and the Messianic Gentiles who are part of these Messianic communities that were being birthed in throughout Rome and all the cities round about it. It's great to see that God's word is yes and amen, and it is truly to be fulfilled in every shape and form. Back to verse 16 of Acts 28, and when we arrived at Rome notice he says the words we see Rav Shul was not traveling all by himself there were others that were with him and later in today's message will be revealed more of those who traveled with him and so when we arrived at Rome the officer allowed Shul to stay by himself though guarded by a soldier and so They were putting trust in knowing that he would not flee the scenes, but he would actually go and stand before the emperor. Because what cost would it have been to those officers and those guards that were guarding him if Rav Shaul just simply bailed? The cost of their own life would be hanging in the balance. And so think about the testimony, the healings, the word of a prophecy that the ship would be destroyed, but no one's life. As Rav Shaul said, not even a hair upon their head would be lost. He was able to proclaim the good news. And think about this. They were there standing and watching when that serpent latched itself onto Rav Shaul's hand, and they all knew that most likely he was going to die. No doctor administrated anything to him. He simply shook it off, and the Lord healed him instantaneously. And so all these testimonies, they're undeniable that he's following the one true God. And so let us now continue in verse number 17 of Acts 28. After three days, Shaul called a meeting of the local Jewish leaders, When they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I've done nothing against either our people or our traditions, our our fathers, I was made a prisoner in Jerusalem, and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and were ready to release me. But because I've done nothing to justify a death sentence. And so now we set the stage here not only just for Acts 28-17, but also all the way through 31 to give us a greater understanding of what is taking place here. The concluding passage of Acts 28-17, the book of Acts, contains a very important material for understanding the relationship between Judaism and Christianity. The Good News and the Tanakh Messianic and non-Messianic Judaism, Messianic Jews, and Messianic Gentiles. The conclusion is that Shaul had a very successful evangelistic ministry among the Jewish community of Rome, and that that even it's recorded that entire synagogues became Messianic, but they did not convert to Christianity. They accepted their promised Jewish Messiah because salvation is of what people group? Of what nation group? Of the Jews. So they accepted their promised Jew, Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, and they did not forsake their culture or their nationality as Jews. And so this is one of the high points of Messianic Jewish history. Continuing. The local Jewish leaders. So in his three days, Shaul ranged with the brothers. These are Jewish men who still have a veil over their eyes. In the Roman community. Of whom he knew many. And how do we know this? We know this because it is recorded in the book of Romans. Chapter 16. And this is what Rav Shaul wrote the book to the congregations, the Messianic community in Romans. And this is what he wrote I'm introducing to you our sister Phoebe, a shamash, that is a deacon, of the congregation at Caesarea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as God's people should. And give her whatever assistance she may need from you. For she has been a big help to many people, including myself. I also give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. These are both husband and wife. They are my fellow workers for the Messiah Yeshua. They risked their own necks to save my life. And not only I thank them, but also all the Messianic communities among the Gentiles. And I give my greetings to the congregation that meets in their house. Did you hear that? They were meeting in a house at that time. Give my greetings to my dear friend, Epathenius, who was the first person in the providence of Asia to put his trust in Messiah Yeshua. Think about that. One day you and I will meet this individual. We'll meet all these people. Continue in verse 6. Give my greetings to Miriam. And you know Miriam is a very, very popular name for Jewish woman, which translated into English is Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greetings to Andocratus and Junia, relatives of mine. Wait a second. Did you read that right, Rabbi Frank? Yes, relatives of his, Rav Shaul, who were in prison with me. They are well known among the emissaries and also they came to trust in Messiah before I did. Think about that. Rav Shaul had two relatives. Prior him to coming, saving knowledge in Messiah, they came to know Messiah first. Also continue here. Greetings to M. my dear friend in the Lord. Greetings to Urbanus, our fellow worker for Messiah. And to my dear friend Stekas. Greetings to Aplios, who trust in Messiah has been tested and proven. Just as your trust and faith in Messiah is being proven every day. Greet those in the household of Artibolus and greet my relative, Herodon. Here's another relative. So far we have three of his own relatives. Does Rav Shaul lie? No, he speaks the truth. Has this not been recorded and delivered us to this very day? Absolutely. And so when you're thinking about family that doesn't know the Lord, here's proven hope that as you live before the Lord, the Lord is entreating upon their hearts so that one day as the veil is removed from their eyes, they can see Messiah for who he is and the spirit of living God can figure their hearts, bring about repentance so that they can show true fr- fruits of repentance, receive Yeshua as their Messiah and have their names inscribed in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life and all of heaven rejoices. Continuing in verse 12, greet Typhina and Trophosa, women who are working hard for the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has done a lot of hard work for the Lord. And you know, if you look up that name, Persis, what it means, it means a Persian woman. Where's Persia today, but modern-day Iran? And she was a believer in Messiah. Continuing, greet Rufus, chosen by the Lord and his mother. Doesn't notice a mother, but notice this verse. Greet Rufus, chosen by the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Think about that. The love and compassion that we are to have between our brothers and sisters in Messiah. Greet Asyncreus, Philegion, Hermes, Protobus, Hermus, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philagos, Julia, Neruus, and his sister, Olympus, and all of God's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the Messianic congregations send their greetings to you. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put snares along the teaching in which you have been trained. Keep away from them, for men like these are not serving our Lord, the Messiah, but their own belly. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the innocent, for everyone For everyone who has heard about your obedience, therefore I rejoice over you. However, I want you to be wise concerning good, but innocent concerning evil. And the God, the source of shalom, who will crush the adversary under your feet. The grace of our Lord Yeshua be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends greetings to you as also Lucius, Jason, and Sothi my relatives. So now we've been introduced to six of Rav Shaul's relatives that came to know Messiah. I, this is Rav Shaul speaking, and Tertius, the one writing down this letter, greet you in the Lord. My host Gaius, in whose home the whole congregation meets, greets you. Eratos, the city treasurer, Of what city? Rome. And the brother Cortus greets you. Now to the God who can strengthen you according to my good news, in harmony with the revelation of the secret truth, which is the proclamation of Yeshua the Messiah, kept hidden in silence for ages, but manifested now through prophetic writings, in keeping with the command of God eternal, and communicated to all the nations, to promote in them trust grounded in obedience to the only God, wise God, through Yeshua the Messiah be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see, Rav Shaul knew a lot of individuals living there in Rome. And they did not have the internet. They did not have FaceTime. They did not have Zoom. But they would correspond through the writing of letters and communication. And sometimes the letter and communication could be only trusted by a certain individual that actually they would pay their fare so they could travel and deliver that letter to them in person. So continuing here. To draw up now a list of Jewish community letters Leaders, for he would quickly have ascertained what these leaders later said themselves in verses 21 and 22, that they knew very little about the good news, and thus Shaul saw now an evangelistic opportunity. And so, with this, the Messianic believers in Rome congregation had apparently done very, very little to share the good news with their fellow Jews. Because that recorded at this time, in the city of Rome, there were 10,000 or more Jews living in Rome. And Rabbi, where'd you get that from? But the Encyclopedia Judica, continuing, or they had tried, this is those Messianic Jewish believers, had tried, but were ineffective. Perhaps they wish to avoid the certain persecution that some of them might have already experienced in Jerusalem when they came to put their trust in Yeshua or shortly after Shavuot. Because remember some of the Romans, Jews went to that annual feast and at that time the Ruach HaKodesh was poured out on those 120 that were meeting in the upper room. And they heard in their own native tongue in Italian, where these uh, Jewish people were living, part of a diaspora at that time, they heard in Italian, perfect Italian, with a Galilean accent, because those 120 for, were from the Galilean re- region. Hmm? Okay, thanks, Elm. Latin, they would be hearing th- that that language in their own tongue, talking about how Yeshua died and he rose from the dead. And so with this, we continue here. And thank you, Alan, for that clarification. With that. And so also, there were other persecutions that were came upon them. And so now let us continue as we look at Acts chapter 28, verse 19. But when the Judean leaders objected, I was forced to appeal to the emperor, not that I had any charge made against me by my own people. This is why I have asked to see you and speak with you, for it is because of the hope of Israel that I have this chain around me. Then he said to him, they said to him, and these are the Jewish leaders, We have not received any letters about you from Yehuda, Judah, and none of of the brothers, the speaking of fellow Jews, who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we do think it would be appropriate to hear your views from you directly. For we all know about this sect. And what was the sect? The followers of the way. Because Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they knew about this sect. Is that people everywhere speak against it. And verse, going now to verse number, deeper in verse 19. When the Judean leaders from Judea objected, The same word is rendered Jews because they're in the contrast between Jews and Romans. Here speaking to Jews, Shaul is referring specifically to the Jewish leaders of Judea and not just the common people, the Jews in general. And so now as we continue here in verse, I'll go back to to verse number uh, 20 through 22 here in verse 22. But we do, we do it, and it would be appropriate to hear from your views and from you yourself. For all we know about this sect, it is that people everywhere speak against it. And so they arranged a day with him. And they came to his quarters in large numbers. And remember, we know the house that he's meeting at, and they're having a house fellowship. And so from morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, giving a thorough witness about the kingdom of God and making use of both the Torah of Moshe and the prophets per- to persuade them about Yeshua. Did you notice that? He didn't say, now now, I have a letter. It's written by a man. His name is Matthew, and I'd like to present it to you. Well, they would not receive that. Why? Because they believed in the Tanakh, and this would be like giving to them a a foreign manuscript. So when Rav Shaul speaks about the Scriptures and speaking about the the Torah, the Tanakh, and about the prophets, he's speaking about the book, the Old Testament, in its entirety. Because the way of God to reach the Jewish people to salvation, to reveal Messiah. And that's why Yeshua, after he had risen up and he was walking and they were on their way to Emmaus and he found two of his Talmudim, his disciples, and they had a conversation. And he said, why are you so distressed? Why are you so sad? And then he told them, don't you know? And he said, no, about what? And they started telling them, him, Yeshua himself, because they didn't recognize him. They started speaking to, to him directly. That don't you understand that the one who's the promised Messiah came, he died and he's buried. And Yeshua stood before them and going, taking both Moshe, Moses and all the prophets he explained to them in detail that the Messiah had to come and die, but then rise from the dead. And so they invited him to go with him, to stay with him that night. And it says as he was breaking the bread, their eyes were finally open and they saw Yeshua for who he was and then he disappeared. And so with that today, if a Christian individual Quote scripture from Matthew through Revelation. Jewish people with a veil over their eyes will not receive it because to them that's not the revealed word of God. And so, with this, he spoke to them, and they continue to in verse number 23 here as we go forward. Surely this was an all day session in which large numbers of the local Jewish leaders of the capital of the world came to visit the world's leading evangelist, Rav Shaul, in order to hear about the Messianic Judaism. And so this was a very, very unique time in history. Shaul's procedure with them was the same as with Jewish people everywhere. He appealed to the Tanakh, making a use of both the Torah of Moshe. Moses and the prophets to persuade them about Yeshua. Shaul could use the scriptures freely since many of the Jewish leaders probably knew them all by heart. Shaul did not quote, as I said earlier, one Brit Brit Hadashah. That's the New Testament Bible. Verse, because all non-Messianic Jews don't recognize the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, as the coming from God through his prophets because there's a temporary veil over their eyes. Unless God removes the veil, they cannot see it. But continuing here, the promise of the Brit Hadashah the New Testament has been prophesied. And where do we find that? You can share this with Jewish friends and neighbors of yours as the Spirit of the Living God instructs you to do so. So turn with me now to Dan- to Jeremiah chapter 31. Daniel chapter 31. Where we see where God spoke of his through his holy prophets that one day God would enter into a new covenant with the children of Israel. And so here we are in Jeremiah chapter 31 and beginning at verse 31. Here the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and without the house of Yehuda Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with you and your fathers on the day I took them by their hand And brought them out of the land of Egypt because they, for their part, violated my covenant, even though I, for my part, was a husband to them, says Adonai. And this is the covenant what I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says Adonai. I will put my Torah, my law, within them and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will any of them teach his fellow community member or his brother, no, no Adonai, for all will know me from the least of them to the greatest because I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. And so this, continuing here, this is what Adonai says, who gives a son as a light for the day, who ordained the laws of for the moon and the stars, to provide a light for the night, who stirs up the sea until its waves roar. Adonai, Zavahot, the Lord of hosts, is his name. If these laws leave my presence, says Adonai, then the offspring of Israel will stop being a nation in my presence forever. And this is what Adonai says. If the sky above can be measured and the foundations of the earth be fathomed, then I will reject All my offspring, O Israel, for all that they have done, says Adonai. And so you see there, this covenant is not based on Israel. Just like Father Abraham, when the Lord asked him to divide up those animals, he was to pass through them. But what did the Lord do? He brought a great sleep upon him. And it says that a symbol of a torch went through those animals, a symbol of the Lord, that the Lord established his covenant. And his word is yes and amen. So continuing here. But here Shaul's central topic was the kingdom of God. This term is equivalent with the kingdom of heaven. It is frequently used in the good news. First being established through Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. But it appears also in Acts. At Acts chapter 1-3, Acts chapter 8-12, and Acts chapter 19-8. So, with this, we see that that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, was declaring the good news to the Jewish people in a very undeniable way with this. And so now let us continue here at verse... Number 24. Some of them were then convinced as Rav Shaul persuaded them that Yeshua was the true Messiah. While others refused to believe in Yeshua as Messiah. So they left disagreeing among themselves after Shaul had made one final statement. And that is this. The Ruach HaKodesh spoke well in saying to your fathers through Yeshiahu, Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And this is what he said. Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but never understand. You will keep on seeing, but never perceive. Because the heart of this people has grown thick. With ears they barely hear, and with eyes they have closed. For fear that they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. And do teshuva, that is to repent, and turn back to God, so that I can heal them. That's the Lord speaking about this veil coming over the nation of Israel. And so now as we go forward here, as we go deeper, some were convinced by what Rav Shaul said while others refused to believe. Through this, large number of Jewish leaders who were present and some of those were persuaded while others were not. They simply disbelieved and they refused to believe. To the sum, it was a comparative size, more or less the same order of magnitude. What reasonably then can be concluded, therefore, is that the whole leadership of Rome's Jewish community, as well as represented by large numbers, and that a sizable portion of them, though not necessarily half were persuaded of the truth of the Messianic Judaism, then and there, this is why that the meeting must have been very unique in the world, in world history. There, be, there may be no other reported instance of a sizable proportion of major Jewish communities, leaderships coming to faith in the good news as in one day. So they continue to disagree among themselves. In other words, a Beit Midrash a house of study, debates, and emotional discussion. This is a norm. The good news properly proclaimed always causes division because those who believe it and those who do not have have different world outlooks. Their rejection can be either active or passive. The latter passive expressing it as indifference and apathy or feeling of superiority even while approving of the believers. Yeshua the Messiah always divides people into two camps, who are with him and those who are not. The middle ground completely disappears. So those who were persuaded were leaders, and they surely returned to their synagogues and communicated then the good news themselves. They gave testimony that in due time, especially with Shaul's continued teaching over the next two years in Rome, entire synagogues became messianic. A messianic Jewish people movement took place in Rome, a movement in which entire families, communities, were one to Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. Though we're not told of this directly, the indications there are present as openness to the good news rather than the predisposition against it. Jewish leaders being persuaded, substantial numbers being involved in broad community participation with respect for the evangelistic and the Ruach HaKodesh blessed this ministry. And so continuing here in Acts chapter 28 and verse 28. And this is what it says. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God in Yeshua has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And this, the intent of these words were to cause and provoke jealousy among them who would not receive the message those who would not receive Yeshua as their Messiah. And so with this, we see that this salvation is of Yeshua, of God, has been sent out now to the nations and they will listen. And so here we see from Acts chapter one, verse eight, we have seen that one purpose, the main purpose of the book of Acts has been shown that the good news would spread throughout the ends of the earth and would permeate the Gentile peoples. Some Christians have beyond, gone beyond this and claimed to see in the book of Acts the rejection of the good news by Jews so that God rejected them and turned to the Gentiles who gladly received the message. It is in fact that God's truth and his promises became available to Gentiles in a new way as a result of what God did during the early years of the Messianic community, as reported in the book of Acts. For it is decided that Gentiles did not have to become Jews in order to become Messianic believers. Where is that recorded? But in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. And also Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 29. Also, it is a fact that Gentiles in substantial numbers, believed the good news. And nevertheless, as we have just seen, Jews continued accepting Yeshua as Israel's Messiah right up to the very day of which the words of this verse were spoken. God has not rejected the Jewish people as being unworthy of the good news. And you want proof of that? In Romans chapter 11, 11, it speaks to this directly. So some argue that the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 common era closed the age of God's dealing with the Jews and that Rome, the Gentile capital of the world, was to be the new center of propagating God's truth. Cited as evidence is that the book of Acts starts in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. Certainly Rome became and remains a center of one of the largest Christian denominations, which is the Roman Catholic Church, but Jerusalem has never ceased to be the holy city. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, as the scripture declares. And so in Psalm 48, 3, it says this. Reverence by three monolithic religions. That's not a quote from the verse there. But it's the upper portion there. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Psalm 48.3. So as we go deeper, reverence by three monolithic religions. Now after being trampled down by the nations for almost 2,000 years. It is at last once more in the hands of the Jewish people since the year 1967. Speaking of the city of Jerusalem. And with the apparent fulfillment of Yeshua's prophecy concerning this, found in Luke chapter uh, 21, verse 24, it should be at least be clear that all God's continuing work is with and through his Jewish people. The proper perspective is this. The good news was to move out from Jerusalem and the Jews to the Gentiles, to the very ends of the earth. That is, to Rome and beyond Rome itself. This was the new work of God through, not without the use of Jews. Since it has been making, Jews have been making proselytes for centuries. How do we know this? If we look at Esther uh, chapter 8, verse 17, it says this, that when the Jews were, were armed themselves and they rose up, other people were afraid and they actually converted to Judaism going forward here. In Yeshua's time, there was still an act of proselytizing by the Jewish community. How do we know this? 1 Corinthians seven seventeen, and also 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 1 and 2, and also Galatians 5, 3. It's not that the Jews were rejected, but God, but that the Gentiles were now accepted. How do we know this? Through Ephesians chapter two, verses eleven through sixteen. This message shocked many Jews, as more and more people from the nations were being grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel, and so so. And some Jews today still look down on Christianity as an easy religion, not worthy of Jewish credence. This is why it was necessary to have the longest book in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, the book of Acts, deal with this question. And the answer in the book of Acts is that despite Jewish resistance, God is bringing his truth now to the Gentiles. They are being included in the people of God without converting to Judaism. Yet the Jews are no less God's people with respect to being chosen. They are loved for the patriarch's sake. For God's free gift and his calling are irrevocable. How do we know this? But we know this from Romans chapter 11 verses 28 through 29. So going forward here. Openly, without hindrance, Rav Shaul proclaimed the kingdom of God and the teaching about the Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. The perfect note on which to end the book, whose purpose is secondary, historically and primarily inspirational. Even though under house arrest, awaiting trial, Shaul was free for one thing that gave meaning to his life. You know what that was? proclaiming the good news. As Messiah said, he was to be a light to the Gentiles, fulfilling the Jewish people's call. And so from prison, he wrote the letters of Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. Now scholars, biblical scholars, are now divided over whether he was ever set free. Some eventually believe that he reached Spain. It's recorded in Romans chapter 15, verse 24, that he desired to go on to Spain. This would would imply that he was freed at least once during his time of freedom. He might have visited these congregations and he had established also in Greece and Asia Minor and Turkey, which is present-day Turkey. Pending the execution by writing in perfect tense. He, he said this in Second Timothy. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now tradition. Tradition of man says this has it that he was condemned to death and he was executed in Rome between 64 and 68, the common error. Some think Luke intended to write a third book describing Shaul's life after the point where Acts ends since the story does not seem to be finished. But Luke's perspective is that these last verses to be one of knowing more. However, all this is based on inference, Speculation, and there's no conclusive evidence. And so now, as we continue here in Acts chapter 28, verse 29, and after this, he had said, This the Jews left arguing, arguing, me, among themselves, those who accepted and those who rejected the message about Yeshua being the Messiah. Shaul remained two whole years in a place he rented for himself. He continued receiving all who came to see him openly, without hindrance, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And should what be our focus on our life, also sharing good, the good news with anyone we come by and near. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat shalom.